Edgar Allan Poe wrote, I have absolutely no pleasure in the stimulants in which I sometimes so madly indulge. It's not been in the pursuit of pleasure that I've periled life and reputation and reason. It's been the desperate attempt to escape from torturing memories, from a sense of insupportable loneliness and a dread of some strange, impending doom. The following podcast is presented in audio format only. Therefore, viewer discretion is strongly advised. Welcome to Unhinged, the podcast that will have you going mental as we talk about life and all its twists and turns. With your hosts, the guys from the Blue Room. Yes, Doug and Ed. And now, Doug and Ed. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Unhinged number five. Number five. Number five. Can you believe we've done five already? Well, we've done four. Now we're on five. Yeah. Hence, the fifth one. Yes. And and this is actually uh, uh, it's it's been a rough one. Uh, we've we've tried to record this episode a few times already, um, but have had to actually postpone. Um, uh, Doug, you've had some uh, some bad days uh, recently. <laughs> well, most days are bad. Um, you just don't know which ones are going to be, and. Um you know, you just wake up, you wake up depressed and you wake up feeling all kinds of negative emotions, but there's no specific cause or reason, whether it's, it could be dreams, it could be whatever, but it's... So you would literally really, wake up and feel what? Anger? I, I woke up this morning feeling, <clears throat> yeah, just, you know, it's hard to talk about because it's so regular for me i mean this is you know we're talking decades of the same crap over and over again but you know um you don't wake up with a clean slate as you should you know nothing specifically bad happened recently last night this morning you know i just woke up and my mood was just depressed you know as if somebody died you know and you'd have that reaction it's just you just wake up that way depressed and angry and um and you don't know so, why i mean there's no there's no underlying reason for it it's this wrath of god disease that uh you know and i've felt better um uh, over the past you know say week or two now they're they're, they're it, you know I'm, I'm more towards the severe category but there's no rhyme or reason and that's you know it's hard to swallow that when you you wake up feeling that way so you like you know you're already a step behind, you know, you don't even get have a chance. Right. You know, as you steer yourself in a certain direction. You just have to just deal with it. And probably that day is the day that I just can't bring myself to do absolutely anything. And I just I knew I had to do the podcast with you and not put you off for a third day. Mm-hmm. Um because that's what's happened over the last week. So is it is it more frustrating that that you don't know why you wake up this way, or is it just frustrating because you just utterly feel like crap? 
uh, I suppose at this point it's not knowing, you know, because I'm used to feeling like crap. Mm-hmm. And that's bad, you know. That's, a, that's uh, you know, that's, that's just an expectation. And uh, that sucks. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sorry you're, you're in a, a low right now. Uh, but we'll we'll carry on with the show. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, believe me, I've I've seen you through uh, probably worse. Uh, and yeah, and then there were times when I probably didn't realize how bad you really were, probably because of your acting. Yeah, and especially for you, because uh, you know, you do this with clo- with people who are closest to your family and and friends like you who, you know, you. That that's if you're gonna take things out on people, that's who you generally take them out on, which is, which sucks. And uh, um, you know, my family again, it's it's the understanding of what the other person's going through. Um, so you've just always uh, gotten it and haven't given me crap for it. And and I over the years have more and more been cognizant of, hey, I don't want to bring him down. To mm-hmm. I may not call you at all just to avoid doing that or when i do call you and just try to put you know keep that mask on but i'm generally i'm honest with you and you know especially over the last bunch of years yeah you already know probably by the way we may text each other or speak to each other but uh just you know i i you know i purposely try to not um get into the gory details with you because it's kind of the same thing, you know, every time. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. And, and and you can feel it because we're, we're that close, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, now, know. now I just want to make sure you understand that, uh, it, I have felt in the past, I have felt anger and frustration, uh, at you and your disease and, and the way you've, uh, acted, um, but then I always end up, you know, reminding myself that, you know, it's something you, you have very little control over and, and or I, no, or no control over. or no, and, no and, control. And the fact that, that you're able to do that, most people can't, I mean, I'm, I'm completely, uh, disconnected from my nuclear family, um, because they don't have the ability to do that. Um, and who should, who most should is your family. I mean, who do you mm-hmm. have when you've got nothing is your family. Yeah. And uh, they, they haven't been able to do that, any of them. And that's three siblings and, and parents. So, uh, you know, I owe you more than I could ever put into words, the fact that you're, uh, you've been able to do that. Well, like I said, it's not all, it's, it hasn't all been, you know, roses, <laughs> Um, no, it couldn't be, but it's right, you know. Uh, but back, I remember back in uh, in college, um, in uh, again to to wrap a time around it. This was in uh, the eighty nine ninety sort of uh, time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mentioned before that I I didn't realize back then that you had a serious mental illness. That's um, right, and. And what I did notice was that, you know, how you're in college and people experiment, they drink, they, they smoke pot, they, you know, whatever. 
And you, I, I did notice that you would partake of that type of activity a lot more than most people. Uh, in, in the sense that, uh, you would have a much higher tolerance. You would keep going when everyone else was passed out, for example. That's what we called it, high, higher tolerance. But, uh, <laughs> but bottom line is we were doing it for different reasons. Although we were doing it for the same reasons, but I also had another reason to do it. But did you know back then and that, that was... the reason you were doing it was, was due to uh, mental health issues? Or was it that you were just taking a stab in the dark? You just felt like... You know, you didn't know what was going on. Well, based on memory loss, I can't tell you for sure, but I would gather that at the beginning, no, uh, but pretty quickly realizing, well, you know, I'm not thinking about those bad thoughts because I'm wasted, you know, mm. and, and, um, and, you know, obviously, uh, obviously it's there. Uh, whether it's your cognizant or it's your, it's subconscious or not. But if you're, if you're, you know, if everyone's drinking, you know, eight beers and you're still going at 15, there's, you know, there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because of tolerance, because I was, you know, uh, 5'8 and 150 soaking wet, you know, so, so it wasn't a tolerance thing. It was, uh, yeah. it was the beginning of a lifelong, um, uh, period of self-medicating self-medication so yeah that's that's what we want to cover today on the show um back back then you you were self-medicating as you said uh and that meant drinking that meant uh smoking pot um mm -hmm. and how did that make you feel when you would do that i mean did you realize you were self-medicating at the time or was it just you know something to do uh, well, again, like I said, you know, it's just, uh, it's something that you, you, uh, you do to ease the pain, um, realizing that the pain was there, you know, you, you realize, I guess over time, you know, like when you're in college, you know, you're, exper you're experiencing everything so new and so fresh mm -hmm. and so different and you're, you're, uh, cognitive behavior and your brain is developing um, into just a different, you know, to sort of your identity uh, in a large way. I mean, self-medicating is, is defined as a human behavior in which an individual uses a substance or any uh, exogenous influence to self-administer treatment for non-clinical, physical, or psychological ailments. Um, and that just, again, just means... Um, taking the pain away uh, mm -hmm. in one way or another. Uh, and, you know, with other illnesses, that could be cutting and that could be all kinds of different things. Um, so back when we were all, you know, going to parties and having a good time uh, and enjoying college for the freedom and the fun that it, it gives for, uh, you know, those first going away, um, your experience was the opposite. It was struggling to uh to feel better essentially and while everyone else is just having fun well it's again it, it, I, there was a lot of stimu uh, stimulation and that's you know part of what we crave but 
but I was having fun. I mean, don't get me wrong that, you know, it was, you know, this is the first time that I had any self-confidence whatsoever because I was in the band and I was sort of, uh, you say leader of the band, but mm -hmm. you know, I don't think I could ever put those words to it. Cause uh, you know, uh, underneath everything, no matter what, I still was, you know, uh, somebody devoid of, of self-confidence and any kind of self-worth. Uh, but, that did help those few years, you know, or at least a couple of years with you, did help. Um, you know, and people were clapping at our songs, and uh, you know, we 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 had a good time. Uh, but still, underneath all that was the disease, um, and it was sort of abated a little bit, hibernating a little bit. But that's because really every day uh, I would self-medicate. Mm -hmm. And that included not going to classes when you were going to classes and doing all the other stuff. I was still self-medicating, skipping classes, and because when the, when I did go to class, uh, that's when the ADD side of my disease took over. And no matter what it was, especially if it was, you know, a, a math course or a, a, a physics type of course, uh, you know, I would sit there and and. It was like as if the professor was talking Chinese. I had no clue what yeah. was going on, and I, I couldn't pay attention. And I know that most of the classes that I showed up to, I left in the middle of and went and self-medicated. Interestingly, though, your your psychology classes were uh, something that you actually did pretty well at, from what I remember. It, it was just like guitar. You know, it's... Um, uh, and I think this comes from the ADD disease because attention deficit disorder is in the same family as Asperger's and autism. And you have certain just um, innate talents and abilities quite often that are, uh, that are exceptional. Uh, and it was like that for me with guitar. For some reason, I just took off like a prodigy. Yeah. Um, you know, and with psychology, I don't know how many classes I attended, not many. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't have to study for anything. I just go in for the tests, and I would just ace them. It was just natural for me. Yeah. Um, and strangely ironic, you know, that I learned psychology from both ends of the spectrum. Right. And that's what what I know. Uh, you know. Uh, you know. Despite lacking confidence, even to this day, I know I would make a hell of a psychologist uh, yeah. because I can. I would reach people that. You know, other psychologists and psychiatrists just couldn't reach because they don't understand really what it feels like, and uh, it goes a long way to know what it feels like. Right. Especially to be able to reach somebody who might be, uh, you know, a tough case to reach. So going back a little bit to uh, guitar and music, um, since that was a big part of our our lives in college, um, it's interesting to look back at uh one of the first songs that you wrote uh and and we performed as a band uh when it came time to name the song um so we asked you we're like <laughs> what's the name of this song and yeah. go ahead tell tell everyone what the name of the song was uh leave me the hell alone yes yeah and and i i don't remember because of my memory loss i don't remember doing it or be saying it or whatever but and I don't necessarily and I think I was probably excited that that everyone liked my song so I don't think there was anything overtly negative but 
that came from somewhere. Yeah. And we're looking back on it now, years later. Um, but obviously, there's no, you know, it's not just a coincidence that that's what I named the first song. Right. Yeah, again, and- I was, you know, it was in a period that was, at least for me, relative to uh, what I know otherwise was a good time for me, you know, and, and because I was in a band and I, yeah. there were actually people who thought it was cool and I, I actually had girls who liked me, what, you know. <laughs> and so it was a good time, but yet that's what came out of my mouth or out of my brain to name the song. The song is an instrumental song, we should point out. So yes. naming it was sort of, you know, it, it's not... Uh, necessarily important uh, a lot of the time when you're when it's instrumental and what the name is but that's what my mind said instead of like you know flowers and daisies <laughs> you know uh, so uh, i think we would have realized something was wrong if you had named it flowers and daisies because you weren't a flowers and daisies kind of guy <laughs> no no although i like floral print shirts the girls yeah. like them uh, I, I sort of a uh, right it wasn't it wasn't yeah. the uh the yep. Paisley King back then? Oh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah. we have a picture on, on the website of you with one of those Dude. shirts on. Excellent. <laughs> Lucky for the viewers. At yes. Uh, well, we'll uh, we have a recording of Leave Me the Hell Alone that we'll play uh, at we the end of the show. When we close the yeah. show. Yeah. Uh, and, and I have to admit that you are an amazing guitarist and uh, probably the best guitarist that I know personally. So, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, it's, uh, and, and we all looked at, you know, back in, in college, we, we saw that you had this talent in the band and, and that's kind of why you were the de facto leader of our band, because to us, you had the most knowledge of music and you were the most, um, gifted at your instrument. So right off the bat, we're like, all right, well, he should lead the band. Uh, and in hindsight, I kind of look at that and, and think of times when you were like, I don't want to lead the band. I just want to play or I just want to, you know, chill or whatever. Uh, we were, did I say, did I, I don't remember that, but, but I could see, I don't know if I could see myself saying that, but I definitely shouldn't have been a leader of any band, you know, yeah. because I, I just, you know, I'm, I wasn't the go-getter kind of, you know, you would have made a much better role in that respect, um, you know. Yeah, that was, a, I do remember you saying once that you didn't want the responsibility of having to do anything uh, with the band except come in and play. Yeah, I mean, if I, if I was going to make the movie, I, like, I could picture my role being kind of like, you know, oh, somebody, w- somebody wake him up out of his stupor so he can go record, you right. know? Right. Uh, you know, and I think, I guess, you know, as, as we worked the self-medication into it, I think, I think if anyone was going to worry about somebody, uh, it'd be me. Although Rick was a close second, which was another member of our group that, uh, um, medicated quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, to quite a, quite a crazy degree. If you are the, yeah. The night that he got so drunk, he peed in our refrigerator. I do remember that. Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't remember cleaning it. I nope. hope we did. I'm sure we uh, did. Uh, but, um, you know, that was typical college stuff and, uh, you know, didn't remember the morning kind of thing. So this right. is a different, different uh, thing. But uh, It's the, uh, the, the kind of the blackout drunk kind of thing versus just the normal, I got drunk last night and now I have a hangover. Um, yeah, yeah. I never had those experiences where I would just pass out. 
and probably in my own vomit in many occasions, but, you know, I didn't have that kind of like, you know, he's there, but he's not there, you know, it was yeah. just kind of, you know, drinking and literally just pass out. Yep. Uh, and I did that mostly. Um, so speaking of self-medication, let's do the news. In the news today, we have a story from uh, Mental Health Daily, uh, as well as, you know, a, a bunch of other sites that mention the same topic. Um, but the basic uh, concept here is, uh, with more and more states in the U.S. legalizing marijuana, the positive psychological effects need to be better understood by the medical community. Uh, and basically, what are the positive uh, effects of medical marijuana? for people with mental illness. Um, so this article, they list, they have a list of the psychological benefits of marijuana usage. Uh, I want to go through, there's, there's only six, um, but let's, you know, w since you have some experience in self-medication. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have a uh, seven doctorates actually. In, in that <laughs> um, so the first benefit that they list is neuropathic pain reduction. Uh, they use this for chronic pain management. And, and that's, uh, I, I would actually assume that you don't really have the experience to talk about actual pain management using marijuana, uh, except for psychological pain, I guess. Well, no, I do, uh, given that I had the DBS surgery and I have implants in my head. Uh, um, true. That is... Um, you know, frankly, at the beginning, um, you know, it, it, it causes some throbbing and some, some pain. Like people get headaches around their temple area, mm -hmm. uh, quite often and, and, and the, in the front of your head, frontal lobe, and that's where the implants are, uh, as well as the wires that are behind, uh, my right ear collected all behind there. And that's a lot of times where your headache will, yeah. will get down to, uh, so I do have it and, and uh, you know, pot can help that um, and ease that kind of pain. Uh, although uh, the government of Canada won't like me for saying this, but I did get the medicinal marijuana license here um, for that reason, going to my doctor and seeing that's really the only thing that alleviates the, uh, you know, the pain in the front of my head. But uh, to be quite honest, uh, the first reason was just to be able to continue to self-medicate. Right. Uh, because I don't know anything different. Right. Um, so it's, it's something that, um, you know, I've gotten more under control uh, in some sense, but... Um, so uh, I, we would have to say that you're in it more for the THC rather than the CBDs. So <laughs> let me explain that. That's right. Yeah. Um, so for pain management, uh, marijuana has um, something called CBDs. Uh, which is the element inside uh, marijuana that, that actually does help uh, with pain reduction, whereas the THC is the element that actually gives you the high. So right. a, a good uh, pain management um, strain of marijuana would be very high in CBD and very low in THC if all you want to do is uh, feel better uh, from pain. Right. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Sorry, it's a Don Henley thing. <laughs> uh, 
please no. Um, <laughs> so, so you're you're actually, even though you're saying you you got it, you got the prescription for uh, pain management. You would rather have a higher THC level than a CBD level. Well, that's for the high. I'm a, I'm a very I'm a very persuasive guy. Uh, I come off as intelligent, and I tell them that for some reason, uh, the, these electrodes that I mean, this is uncharted territory. So I can say anything about the electrodes, and people will kind of go with me on it. And I'll say, well, I, I I need for some reason the CBD is not what helps me so much. It's it's the higher THC level, kind of kind of you know freezes over my head or just gives that complete relaxed feeling and in some senses it does you know a higher thc level you know indica strains uh you know those are great for insomnia and you know sleeplessness and mm-hmm. uh and anxiety in many cases because it does inherently relax you uh and you know and such um so you know, I'll go ahead and say, well, I, for, it's just THC that helps. It's strange, isn't it? You know, and they and they go along with that, and those are the strains that I get, you know. Yeah. Um, but that that also, so that, that can move to the second psychological benefit that they list on this website, uh, and that's an, as an antidepressant. So it's a mood boost. That's right. And don't forget, you know, when you're talking about this, this kind of, you're talking about this article or this kind of subject matter. You do have to realize that you know when you're talking about, we're not talking about this for glaucoma and for other physical ailments. We're talking about you know this particular article is dealing with the psychology. You know, uh, so uh, we you know the people that are self-medicating, uh, quote unquote. You know that's a different class. You know we have to be able to differentiate the two. Yeah, and and that it's coming from your point of view, uh, someone with with uh, treatment resistant depression, uh, who has had to go through a lot uh, of different treatments. You've tried uh, countless prescribed drugs. Uh, well, every class, every class of, of of medication and combination thereof. So yeah, right. pretty much anything that's been tried. Um, and, and yet, you still I'm keep just... you, you still keep coming back to uh, to marijuana as as one of the the more beneficial ones for you. Well, and it could be just as uh, visual things or television or you know other things can be a trigger mm-hmm. for you. Uh, it's quite possible smoking marijuana. Uh, you know, that's obviously changing the thoughts in your mind and and the way your brain works. Um, so believe me, I think about it every day that, you know, I at least wanted to, to experiment with not smoking for a while and seeing if I improve. Right. But I've been self-medicating for so many years. Um, it's a tough, it's a toughie. So do you, do you believe that you are what would be considered psychologically addicted? Yeah. And I, and I think that you know for me to admit that it's possible that if i stopped i might Im- i might improve um my disease might improve um you know for me to say that and admit that even just that is a lot yeah uh, you know uh so it's something to look at because um the other thing that i'll admit that that 
you normally wouldn't admit is that sometimes after I smoke, I feel worse than when I started. Or I'm, it, it's probably the days that I smoke or the days that I smoke, let's say, more than, than another day is because I woke up low that morning. Right. And then... Uh, and and when you're low and you're in the severe category, um, you sit and you cry a lot. Um, I mean, you know, it's not just, you know, little teary eyes. I mean, I'm talking about full-blown crying. Mm-hmm. And that could go on for hours. And, and you might stop for a minute because you're watching, a, you know, I might be watching my favorite show, King of Queens, and I laugh. But as soon as that's over or when a commercial comes on, you know... Uh, it's just a trigger for for emotions, you know, mm. you know, bad emotions, uh, and smoking tends to exacerbate those emotions. Um, so I guess I'm kind of readily admitting that sometimes it's um, has the opposite effect. You know, yeah, and it's it's detrimental for for me. Yeah. So well, it, one thing they say is that uh, in this article uh, is that. Using it one time is likely going to have an antidepressant effect, uh, but there is uh, some studies say that chronic use uh, is actually linked to having a lower quality of life and lower levels of life satisfaction. Um, yeah, and it's not it's not a lot of times where you can read an article like because there's just so many and there's so much content out there that you can you know completely agree with, and I think basically what I'm saying is exactly that. Um, that chronic use, um, you know, is bad. But uh, but it also be. depends. I, I still think there needs to be a lot more research done in this field because uh, it, it could also be like you were saying, sometimes it actually does help depending on where you are at the time you take it, as opposed to if you start really low or if you're, if you, you're having certain feelings already, uh, it would be counterproductive. Um, yes, uh, but I will tell you that if I'm in the severe category, if I'm doing very bad, if I woke up very bad, I would say nine times out of ten is going to make me worse. Really? And I'm really almost realizing this as, we, as we're talking about it now, hmm. although I've thought about it. But I would say more often than not, maybe not nine out of ten, but more often than not, uh, you know, it's not, you, you, you cannot break out of it. This disease is too powerful. And if I wake up uh, in that for some reason, in that mental state, yeah, I'm not going to go smoke and then all of a sudden want to watch Cheech and Chong and be giggling. It right. doesn't happen. Uh, so I would say that could be where, you know, chronic use uh, right there. I mean, that's, you know, because it's a daily thing. It's a daily ritual routine that you do. Yeah. Uh, but maybe those days is where you should be cutting down. Uh, and trying to deal with the disease head on, yeah, and that's nutritionally and with, you know, uh, cognitive therapies and, and just trying to change your thoughts. Do you think it would be, uh, it would work better overall if, if it was done under uh, a doctor's supervision, where, uh, you know, he would dole it out as necessary or guide you to when you should and should not be taking it. I think for for some, yeah. I mean, if there's a need for it physically, um, you know, then you can uh, you know look at it that way and, and uh, examine it to make sure that, that there's not um, you know that you're doing it for the right reasons right. and it's not affecting you psychologically. Um, but for me, I know it. I mean, I'm kind of admitting it to you right now, and 
there's other factors involved and we're, we're talking about this sort of and like you say there's a lot of research to be done and a lot of ways to look at it um, but if you just went by the way you feel emotionally uh, that's a pretty good guide for you and I'm uh, pretty much an expert at that so I personally don't think I need that because um, I could I could be doing that experiment for myself right but do you I mean it, it... In a, on a day where you're you wake up really down, uh, would you ever go for it and then say, you know what, I'm gonna not do that? Uh, or or that would is, take willpower. Exactly. Yeah. As if we don't have that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that would be ideal. Uh, right. But it's a catch twenty two when you wake up so badly you just want to escape. Right. But then when you escape, you realize that shit. I'm even worse than I was before. Yeah. So, it's it's kind of a it's it's tough. Do you, it's does tough. that happen also with some of the prescribed medicines? The uh... yes, yes, absolutely. If I, um, yeah, unfortunately, so uh, especially when you feel very down, low on energy, you tend to. I just want the day to end. Mm-hmm. I, that's you know, I just want the, to get the day over with. So oftentimes, I'll take too many of my. Um, you know, benzodiazepine or, you know, uh, and, you know, uh, wake up groggy five hours later. And yeah, I've, I've abused, uh, Adderall. I've abused benzodiazepines and obviously street, street drugs. There's a history there too, but, uh, anything I can get my hands on to take the emotional pain away. Yeah. And I've been doing that, uh, ever since we left college, uh, you know, as soon as that sort of fantasy life was over, um, then it was sort of you were thrown in, you know, into the wolves, and you had to start your life and become a, an adult, a human, uh, a human. Sorry, um, mm-hmm. uh, getting an apartment, you know, getting a job, right. uh, and so forth. And that's where our lives diverged, and I yep. permanently became unhinged. Yeah. So, has there ever been uh, a drug you took? That was uh, that you immediately thought, "Oh, I shouldn't be taking this." Hmm. I know you were on things like ketamine. Who's out there listening? <laughs> yeah, but that I'm talking was a, prescribed. You know, the ones that your doctors have given you. That I shouldn't. No, no. Um, the ketamine. Um, no, I mean that's you know. There's still a lot written on it, and and still people believe that it it can. Um, you know, you do dissociate depending on the dosage that it's given. It's generally done on a trial basis, right? Um, and uh, uh, you do have a, a small period of dissociation, but um, they, you know, they see people who or the effects linger, and and it sort of kind of um, trains your mind or, or tricks your mind in a way, but just to. Uh, um, Think about things in a different way, mm-hmm. and it sometimes changes your perspectives and your life perspectives. Uh, similar to to LSD in the '60s, and people wanted to do it to sort of be able to see the real things that are out there, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, but but there's some truth to it. Uh, believe me, they're 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 looking at a lot of things and trying to start trials on on different psychedelic medications that they think can help people who are this treatment resistant. Yeah. So no, not, none uh, prescription wise that I, I you know I would say uh 
you know, I shouldn't have tried just yeah. taking too, too much of it sometimes. So let's, uh, let's go back to, um, this, uh, the article about, uh, marijuana and continue on. So we've, we've covered pain reduction. We've covered, uh, antidepressants, uh, the third, um, positive psychological effect that they list is reduced hostility. Um, that seems to be a given. It just makes you lazy. So you're not going to be hostile. <laughs> yeah. And that's to a point, you know, again, it just depends on how low you are, but, um, yeah. And, and I think that, you know, that goes with the argument of legalizing marijuana versus alcohol. You know, mm-hmm. alcohol is a big, big moneymaker. Uh, and, uh, but, but incre- you know, and it increases hostility in many cases. Yeah, Al- absolutely. Does, yeah. It, 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 well, and it lowers your inhibitions to mm-hmm. such a point that, uh, you know, what I've started a fight, but with alcohol, you just start a fight, you know, and, and with marijuana, I mean, you can't picture people getting real angry or, you know, rowdy or, you know, and we saw that with parties in college, you know, when mm-hmm. it was a sort of a, a, a marijuana, uh, marijuana fest kind of a, a Grateful Dead band playing. And, you know, it was just that kind of scene that was just like, oh, I love everybody. You know, everyone's, you know, wearing flowering shirts. And, right. Uh, but. But then the, the you know the the big the big raves uh, with and the frat parties with, and <laughs> you know kegs that are piled yeah. up you know uh, ten feet high uh, you know it's, that's when the fight broke out you know right right and the, uh, but you know it's a different scene yeah it's a much different scene so uh, I mean inherently but forgetting me or forgetting my disease and self medicating but if I was going to legalize one. To me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, you know which one should be legal, which one should be illegal. Right. And plus, and plus, what it does to your body. I mean, you know, when you drink excess alcohol, you tend to start feeling real bad internally, mm-hmm. and you end up, you know, vomiting and and whatever. It's because you're putting poison in your body. You're drinking yeah. poison. Now, do you do you um, consider yourself an alcoholic? Uh, no. I, well, I would be if if um. If I if my stomach could take it, um, mm. uh, but you know, and I, and I drank a lot in the past, but uh, nowadays, um, over the last ten years or so, you know, just drinking it, just even just one drink, I'm just you know, I'm just nauseous, you know. So uh, it's not something I normally do, but I don't do it mainly for one reason: is that you know, right now I'm I'm you know I'm sort of at the the last gasps of, of uh, uh, the, the last remaining gas that's in my tank fighting this disease. Yeah. Um, and I know that, you know, um, you know, I've had a lot of suicidal ideation and uh, even past that where I've attempted it. Yes. Uh, the, you know, all three times that I attempted it, I was drinking. Uh, mm. One drink uh, will take me over the edge and, I know at this point in my life, at this point in in fighting this disease, if I were to drink just a few drinks, uh, there's a very good chance that I would actually finally do it. So it's uh, I haven't even walked near the liquor store, uh, you know, in several well, years. I'm glad to hear that uh, that uh, <laughs> you're not touching the drink, uh, especially when it can have such a negative effect for you. 
And people sh just should realize that if you feel any sense that you might be depressed uh, or whatever, the last thing you should do is drink. Don't even go near it because that will, you know, will change your thought patterns and you, you won't be thinking clearly. And, and, and yet that's, that's the one that's legal everywhere. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, you know, pot in, you know, excess pot i mean you know it's very hard to overdose on marijuana yep. you know um it it could permanently alter uh some of your brain patterns and it might cause lesions in the brain or uh, you know i'm not i'm not going to say i'm a professional in that respect but you know it could cause permanent damage but it would take a lot right you know where al alcohol you know i mean you know you're depending on your your personal uh makeup genetics you know the way your body is you know uh drinking in excess uh, some people do it for years and then some people could have liver damage within a year you know so it's it's terrible for your body yeah and your mind so the next uh, psychological benefit of marijuana is insomnia reduction well that's a given that is and, and you mentioned um, that before yeah puts you right to yeah, sleep yeah and and that's the difference also between indicas and sativas. Right. Uh, sativas will create more energy and um, and are good for a lot of people who you know who again want extra energy and uh, creativity and um, it's not typically the one that gives you the munchies and you know it's the indicas right. that's what will you know bring your energy level down and you're kind of spacey and yeah uh, and it'll and it'll definitely raise your your uh, level of hunger um we had a lot of chicken wings with indica in college <laughs> so indica um, indica is more the uh the downer whereas sativa is more the upper uh but at the same time uh sativa kind of has the the opposite effect of the antidepressant where it actually can cause anxiety and paranoia well yeah and if you have an anxiety disorder you know as i do and as you do uh or did um mm -hmm. sativa is definitely not the one for you Right. Yeah, yeah just, just so, because uh, people might not know, uh, I had, uh, I was getting panic attacks years ago, um, where just out of nowhere, for no reason whatsoever, I would suddenly panic as if I was about to die. Like, that's, that's how I felt. Like, I'm going to die in the next, you know, few seconds. And it was just a horrible, horrible feeling. Uh, but it would only last maybe 10 seconds. And then I'd be fine. I think I was there for the first one, I think. That's uh, um, yeah. know, when you had sort of lost it and, and both you and your wife, Chris, or, or me and your wife, Chris, were just, I mean, it scared the hell out it, of it was. It's a scary thing because you suddenly feel like you've lost all control and you're about to die and you have no way to stop it. I'm sorry. Did, I'm just curious, did, and I don't know if I've asked you this, uh, uh, did you see a specialist that, uh, you know, I know you were prescribed something, but, you know, was there ever, uh, did you ever come up with a solution on why it may have happened? Because I've asked you, there's nothing specifically, uh, no, nothing so, specific in your, that part of your life that might have triggered it or. No, I, I, I honestly don't. Well, first of all, no, I never saw a therapist or any sort of uh, psychological specialist about this. Uh, I went to my regular doctor. Uh, he prescribed Paxil. Uh, which I was on for a little while. Uh, Paxil's Take it, a, taken it many times. Yes. Uh, oh, well, what what uh, what type of drug is Paxil? You know better than I do. 
that's a um, an SSRI, SSRI. Uh, type of antidepressant. Yeah. Um, so I was on a very serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Okay. So I was on a very low dosage um, for my anxiety, and it actually did help. Uh, it stopped the panic attacks from happening. But at the same time, I noticed that it was starting to slowly change my behavior or change my uh, personality a bit. I, I felt more like a zombie walking around, uh, uh, and I just didn't like what it was doing to me um, in that respect. So slowly I just weaned myself off. You're not, you're not supposed to just stop cold Turkey. Um, but I, I slowly just by myself again, self-medicating, <laughs> uh, even though it was a prescribed drug, I decided I didn't want to take it anymore. So I slowly started, uh, taking less and less until I was completely off it. And interestingly enough, I never had a panic attack again. Uh, yeah, you know, that's, you know, it's interesting if you had gone to a psychologist, a psychiatrist rather versus, you know, a, a regular GP. Yeah. Uh, would you have gotten something else? You know, because a lot of times benzodiazepines, or known in the states as clonopin or Xanax and Valium, and those are the things that generally um, they're not only anti-seizure medications, but they're uh, anti-anxiety medications. Mm. Um, and there's even, you know, ones that, uh, there's a couple of them that are made that are, uh, that go under the tongue and, and, you know, within 15 minutes it takes effect. And that's mm. good for people who are, will have those instant, huge, you know, kind of come on fast type of anxiety. Right. Uh, that I would probably, you know, if it were me as the physician, but I'd probably try it on you first rather than Paxil because you didn't have any other symptoms as far as depression or any of the other sort of yeah. that you know the if you don't have depression it can alter your your you know, the person that you are mentally mm -hmm. you know which it did yeah exactly um, it, it was even affecting my work I, I I didn't feel productive at work because I was just a zombie at my desk so it was best for me to to get take to get off of that. Uh, and I'm glad I did. And that's the way people sh should be: is is to be very self-attuned and know yourself. And 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 uh, I'm glad that you do and you did because uh, you knew to come off it. Uh, and you haven't had them since, correct? No, correct. Yeah, uh, it's just went away. I don't know if it was a temporary neurological thing that was going on, or whether it's there was possible. something psychological that I still don't know. Because I've never been depressed, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I wasn't, you know, between jobs or anything. I wasn't, in, you know, at risk of losing a job or anything like that. There was nothing going on in my life at the time that would account for being anxious in any way. Uh, so given that you did not see a therapist or didn't see a mental health professional as opposed to a regular physician, um, you didn't get an answer to why it started or why it ended. Right. Do you, do you, have you thought about it? Do you have any, um, just your own personal theories? You know, honestly, I, the only thing that stands out in my mind is that it must have been some sort of weird neurological thing, some chemical imbalance, maybe my diet, who knows? Uh, because I, I more, that's more likely than anything else, probably. Yeah, because I, I've literally racked my brain trying to think what, what was I stressed about? What and you know me, I don't. I'm not a stressed guy. I typically don't. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot for me to get 
stressed or, or to get, you know, depressed or anything like that. And, uh, I just, there was nothing that I could think of that it, it that would have been tied to that. So I, lo- I love your brother, <clears throat> but if you had his personality, you put a, would have cut me off 20 years ago. <laughs> Luckily you're that, no, I mean, that's, you know, if you want to look at type A, type B behavior, yeah. you know, I mean, you're a more passive, uh, you know, uh, person who's you know yep. again is more emotional more art driven um that's one of the reasons why you didn't disown me years ago and you <laughs> put up with it all because i mean a person like uh, your brother or or my siblings in particular uh, at least two out of three of them um they just you know they can't deal with that kind of thing they just mm-hmm. can't go there if you will yeah i mean different people are are different <laughs> you know i I've always let things kind of roll off my shoulders. Just, you know, it's like, what am I, I have no control over it. So whatever, big deal. That's kind right. of my, my right. attitude. Um, well, God bless you for that. And I, I'm happy that the friend I made was the owner of the Lazy Ed's Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So we've talked about, let's see, insomnia reduction, reduced anxiety, which is what we just discussed. So the last thing on their list of positive psychological effects of marijuana is relaxation. Oh, that wasn't very relaxing. <laughs> uh, yes, yes well, that is true. It's a great thing. And that, that is inherent. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's that's what it's known for. Yeah. And again, depending on the strain, as we already talked about. Right. It almost seems like that's the same as uh, insomnia reduction. It makes you sleepy. Yeah, but, uh, you know, we need to relax to be able to sleep. Uh, And especially when you have ADD and your mind's racing a million miles an hour all the time. And again, that's another you know product of having both those diseases, these comorbid conditions. Uh, you know, me having both makes this so much harder mm-hmm. than just dealing with one because I got a million thoughts and ideas racing in my head, but the depression keeps me from doing or acting on any of them. So it's it's just like a I'm a legend in my own mind, <laughs> you know, and no further than that. Do you, know? do you? And it's really hard. Do you have trouble sleeping? Oh, terrible trouble sleeping, and and that uh, the the the, um, the the worse the depression gets, the harder it is to sleep. Yeah, uh, because you you ruminate on uh, besides the ADD side and having you know you know being able to calm your mind down, but you ruminate on all these negative thoughts, and um, you know everything changes. Your whole thought pattern changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm in a severe level, I go to sleep. Uh, out loud saying, please, I hope I don't wake up. I hope I don't, you know, and I, I pray for that. And then I wake up and I say, oh, crap, you know, another day. Uh, and the days that, uh, you know, I can tell, that's one of the ways I can tell that I'm uh, maybe in the moderate level rather than the, you know, severe level is uh, that I'm sleeping better. I'm going to sleep earlier. It's easier to get to sleep. I'm waking up earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the, the, the telltale things for me. So uh, when you're very depressed, uh, sleep is a big issue. Right. So we're coming up on an hour now, and uh, we have so much more to talk about. 
But let's hold off until the next show. Uh, if you guys have any questions for us, please tweet us at our Twitter handle, UnhingedPC. Uh, visit our Facebook page at Facebook slash UnhingedPodcast. Or visit our website, UnhingedPodcast.com. Yeah, there's a lot of detail, obviously, we're not able to cover. Um, but uh, any questions that you do have, that's a perfect forum for you to uh, go ahead and ask them, and we're going to make sure to get to all the questions and answer them in uh, future podcasts. We might have to devote a whole podcast answering your questions, and we hope that's the case uh, because we're here to educate and uh, really uh, get the awareness out there. Anyone you know who may suffer from mental health, uh, depression, uh, any kind of mental illness, um, whether you think they are or they have suffered it, point them to our podcast. I know it's something that they'll be able to relate to. And uh, again, definitely write in with your questions and uh, we'll be sure to answer them. Doug, it's been great chatting with you once again. Uh, I, hope you're, I hope you're feeling a little better uh, after our talk today. I always do. I always do. Yeah, as we say, this this show is uh, is partially therapeutic as well. That's right, and hopefully for others. For now, let's leave you with Doug's original song, "Leave Me the Hell Alone," that he wrote in college, uh, and this is our band, Slow Children, playing that song. Ed is that funky guitar opening it up, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's that's me in the opening, and Doug's doing lead. All right, see you guys all next week. Peace.